you have your Bibles, please turn to Job chapter 28. While you're doing that, let me ask you a question. What do you want to obtain? What are you searching for? If you were to ask that to most of our culture, some of them would say fame, wealth, power, significance, purpose. A lot of different answers, but probably the wrong ones. When it comes to this situation, our culture, when it comes to education, doesn't seem to seek education, but seems to seek degrees. No one asks whether you learned anything in school. They ask you whether you got a college, a high school diploma or a college diploma or a master's or a PhD. And they're satisfied with the answer that you obtain some degree, but nobody ever asks you if you learned anything. And to a certain extent, that's because we live, if you will, in the information age. You don't necessarily need to know anything because you can look it up on your computer or your smartphone. So much so in our smartphone, I don't remember most of the people's phone number because my smartphone has it. You want to know what your favorite athlete statistics when they were born, who they're married to, and whatever? You can Google it. You want to know how to make lasagna or cookies? You can ask YouTube. And we think because we have access to such information that somehow that makes us smart. If we were to lose electricity today, tomorrow, would you know how to make electricity? Would you know how to do a generator? And even if you made a generator, would you know how to make a light bulb? Edison spent 100 experiments determining what filament ought to be in the light bulb. Do you know what that filament is? You see, we assume we know a whole lot, but we don't. That doesn't mean education is unimportant. Education, I think, is extremely important. And Christians have always valued education. They valued education in the early years because they wanted children and adults to be able to read the scriptures for themselves. And therefore, learning, reading, and writing, and those types of things was essential so that we might be able to read the Bible. Christians created universities and colleges so that pastors and others might understand the scriptures better to be able to communicate that to their parishioners. So we as Christians have never backed away from education. As a matter of fact, we have sought it out because we view it as a very valuable to our ministry. But education is not the end point. It's not the purpose. It's not the reason. What we should be seeking is not just education or information. And as it seems that we are, quote unquote, more educated, you hear more and more about people saying that common sense 
is so uncommon. You know, you hear the expression that he doesn't have any sense to even get out of the rain. Now, maybe he wants to be in the rain because of fun or whatever, but if it's lightning, maybe you ought to get out of the rain because, as we've seen this week, a couple of people were killed by lightning. But we seem to see that as information and as education degrees seem to multiply, we seem to have less and less common so much so that we look to the experts. And all you got to do is go and watch some of the financial stations. And I cannot think of a single time when whether a report came out good or bad that the experts thought that that was going to happen. It was always, well, the experts didn't think it would be that good. Or the experts didn't think it would be that bad. But yet we still look to experts to tell us things. The scriptures, while viewing education is important and information is important and certainly common sense is important, there is something that we should seek more than that. That's wisdom. Wisdom. Now, in Job chapter 28, we're going to discuss seeking wisdom. Now, there is a debate whether Job is speaking this or whether the author as narrator has taken an interlude and decided to put this in, and, and I'm not smart enough to know which one is which. I could see that Job, as a man of God, could certainly come up with this, and so I think it's certainly within his knowledge. I also see that Job is up and down when it comes to his emotions and how he feels about God and what God's doing, and so I don't know, but I know that Job probably would certainly agree with this, but this is part of why Job is placed in our scriptures where it is, in the wisdom section. And so the person here is going to talk about wisdom. And so he's going to say about the pursuit of things. Job 28, verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust, and copper is smelted from rock. Man puts an end to the darkness, and to the farthest limits he searches out. The rock and gloom and the deep shadow. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro far from men. The earth from it comes food, and underneath it is turned up as fire. Its rocks are the source of sapphires and its dust contains gold. The path no bird of prey knows, nor has the falcon's eye caught sight of it. The proud beasts have not tridden on it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint, and he overturns the mountains at the base. He hews out channels through the rock, and his eye sees anything precious. He dams up the streams from flowing, and what is hidden he brings out to light. The person speaking here, whether it's Job or the narrator, is basically seeing that it is hard and it is difficult to seek out minerals and values in the earth, and yet that doesn't stop them from doing it. They will say, even in their technology, that they will do mine shafts, and that digging without heavy equipment is difficult work, and it, but that doesn't prevent them from doing it because they value the minerals and the gems that they are acquiring, whether it's dust or whether it's rock, 
even in dust, they have the technology to melt it down, for instance, gold, to make it necklaces or rings or earrings or coins or piercings or whatever else that you want to have. We're able even to take dust of gold and make it into usable things. Even back some 4,000 years ago, man had this technology to take precious items and make them usable and valuable. And since they were valuable, they would do hard things to acquire it. Whether it meant even mining in the deep depths of the earth to do so. They're saying that's what people are willing to do. And they're willing to take the technology of the time to seek it because they wanted that wealth that came from it or the use of those materials that came from it. And even though it was hard, they would do so. If people are willing to work so hard to accomplish and acquire wealth, they not works as similarly as hard to acquire something else. Verse 12, it says this, but where can wisdom be found? You can't dig for it in, in the mine shaft. You can't gather up as dust. You can't pan for it like you do gold in the water. So where is it that you find wisdom? And where is a place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The writer is saying here, man understands the value of wealth. He doesn't seem to understand the value of wisdom. Because if he or she did, they would seek it even more diligently than they do wealth. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. So searching for it on the earth and in the earth won't acquire wisdom for you. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. You might be able to be the wealthiest person around. And you might even be able to pay for people to give you counsel. But you can't buy wisdom. Isn't that interesting? We all think if we just have enough money, we can buy experts. And they can tell us things. And the scripture says, Experts cannot give you wisdom. They can give you facts. They can give you figures. It cannot be valued in gold of Ophir and the precious onyx or sapphire. Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearl. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Now notice, he says again and again, in case you don't hear it, that there's nothing of value that can equal wisdom. And yet I suspect if you were to ask a thousand people today, what is it that you most desire to have? They might say happiness. They might say wealth, they might say fame, they might say power. But I almost would think that no one of those thousand people would say, I want to obtain wisdom. 
And if no one is looking for it, then certainly they're never going to find it. And they're saying, even if you look for it to buy it or to get equal to it, you cannot obtain it. Where then does wisdom come from? It doesn't come from value. It doesn't come from the earth. Where does it come from? And where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death say, with our ears we have heard of a report of it. So even if you go to, to death, even there you won't find wisdom. We've heard about it. We understand that it's out there, but you're not going to find it here. God understands its way, and he knows its place. For he looks to the end of the earth and sees everything under the heaven. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and also searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The writer here, whether it be Job or the the author, says, you want to know where wisdom is found? You want to know where understanding is? It's in God in the Lord by searching him and his depths and his understanding that is where wisdom is it's not in the earth it's not in value it's not in wealth it's not in fame it's not in power it's in God no wonder no one is searching for it because so few people are searching for God Even many Christians, or at least people who call themselves Christians, seem to be, they want God to be there as their magic genie, to give them what it is that they want, and to get miracles and and do all these types of things that are for them, rather than seeking to know God, whether God does anything for them or not. He says, the fear of the Lord. Now, this fear is not a sense of, oh, ducking because God's going to take a swing at you. It is taking him seriously with reverence. It's understanding that he is God, that he is holy. Yes, God is love, but God is holy, holy, holy. Even in the beginning of the creation of the earth, he was a separator. He separated day from night. He separated water from land. He separated, separated, separated. What is separation? Holiness. Sanctification. God is one who sanctifies. And we need to understand who he is and to understand that wisdom is to fear him and to depart from evil. Is understanding. But today, what is it that we have? We have this common saying, it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And we kind of treat God that way. We do what it is we want to do, 
And then say, oh, God, you know, forgive me because I know your word says you're going to forgive me, so forgive me. Rather than saying, you know, Lord, help me not to do that because it displeases you. Let me depart from evil. If you would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 12. This is at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, written by a man that we declare as the most wise man who has ever lived. Although sometimes I wonder if he was that wise because of the trouble he found himself in so many different times. But in chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, it says this. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is. So he has written a book and said, I've done this. I've sought pleasure. I've sought understanding. I've sought power. I've sought glory. I've sought all these things. And when I've done all these things, I've determined that the conclusion is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. Now, some of you are numbers people and you want to be accountants. That's wonderful. Some of you are people people and you, and you, know, you want to be a sociologist or psychologist or whatever. We all have the things that we like to do and we want to focus in. But wisdom says, fear God and keep his commandments applies to no matter who you are no matter what job or profession you have, no matter how old or how young you are, that fear God and keep his commandments. Bless everyone. Now we say, well, you know, we're not, we're not Jews and, and Jesus did away with the old commandments and so we don't have to apply that. Yeah, but Jesus gave us new ones. Have faith in him. To love one another as he has loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus has given us commandments. So to fear God and to keep his commandments still apply. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. It applies to everyone. I don't know this for sure. I have no, I have no idea why the, uh, there's this moment of silence in heaven. Maybe it's because we're all going to realize that everything that we've done is going to be revealed and we'll go, oh, shoot. Thought I got away with that. Maybe it's a time of embarrassment. But Ecclesiastes, again, in chapter 8, this wise man gives us wise counsel. And in verse 12, it says this. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life. You may think you're going to get away with it. You may think that you can do things a hundred times and get over it and over it. And you can do some really bad stuff that even will lengthen your life. You can cause the death of somebody, so maybe you get an organ transplant so that you can live longer. Maybe those things can happen. 
Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. Job, like the rest of us, need to understand that there may be times when the sinners and the evil ones get away with it but not forever. And that even though the life of his people may be difficult and hard and persecution may arise because of our faith, it has had nothing to be compared with the glory that we will experience in heaven. It will be well for those who fear God and who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like the shadow, because he does not fear God. Wisdom. We should pursue it. Wisdom should be something that we should seek every single day. The writer here says, you can't find it in places that you might look for it. But you will find it in God. That's why it's so amazing when people will say, I read the Bible once. Well, if the scriptures are the word of God, and they are, then maybe we'll find wisdom there by what God says about who we are and who he is. It is amazing how many books are written about the Bible. And we'll love to read those books about the Bible. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. It's Sometimes there's some things that can apply and help us in our lives, and, and that's great. But those books should never be a substitute for the Word of God. They should be a supplement to it. To help us understand better the Word of God from somebody's perspective that might help us to understand it. Or maybe because we have a blind spot or we have a blind pastor who doesn't really get that area right. And so we need somebody else to help us to explain it. But it is not a remedy the word of God. To read Christian authors, wonderful. But don't read them to the exclusion of the scriptures. Because that's where wisdom is. Because they'll tell us about who God is. That he isn't our boyfriend. He's God. That he made us. He sustains us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows when we get up and when we lie down. He knows the intentions of our heart. And even as wicked as that is, he still loves us. And sent Jesus to die for us and to be raised again so that we might have salvation. That's the kind of God we need to get to know. 
That's the God that we should take seriously and fear in the appropriate sense. So I hope that you add to your to-do list today and tomorrow and thereafter. To-do, buy milk, buy bread. Do something nice for somebody. Read free books. Seek wisdom from God. And he will give it to you. Because if we look to the Son, we look to the Son, he will reveal himself. He will reveal us wisdom and knowledge and power and grace because all of those things are found in him and all God's people said. far from men. The earth from it comes food, and underneath it is turned up as Job chapter 20. Fire. Its rocks are the source of sapphires, and its dust contains gold. The path no bird of prey knows, nor has the falcon's eye caught sight of it. The proud beasts have not fridden on it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint, and he overturns the mountains at the base. He hews out channels through the rock, and his eye sees anything precious. He dams up the streams from flowing, and what is hidden, he brings out to light. The person speaking here, whether it's Job or the narrator, is basically seeing that it's difficult to seek out minerals and values in the earth, and yet that doesn't stop them from doing it. They will say, even in their technology, that they will do mine shafts. And that digging without heavy equipment is difficult work. And it, but that doesn't prevent them from doing it because they value the minerals and the gems that they are acquiring, whether it's dust or whether it's rock. Even in dust, they have the technology to melt it down, for instance, gold, to make it necklaces or rings or earrings or coins or piercings, or whatever else that you want to have, we're able even to take dust of gold and make it into usable things. Even back some 4,000 years ago, man had this technology to take precious items and make them usable and valuable. And since they were valuable, they would do hard things to acquire it. Whether it meant even mining in the deep depths of the earth to do so. They're saying that's what people are willing to do, and they're willing to take the technology of the time to seek it because they wanted that wealth that came from it or the use of those materials that came from it. And even though it was hard, they would do so. If people are willing to work so hard while you're doing that to accomplish and acquire 
wealth. They not works as similarly as hard to acquire something else. Verse 12, it says this, but where can wisdom be found? You can't dig for it in, in the mine shaft. You can't gather up as dust. You can't pan for it like you do gold in the water. So where is it that you find wisdom? And where is a place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The writer is saying here, man understands the value of wealth. He doesn't seem to understand the value of wisdom. Because if he or she did, they would seek it even more diligently than they do wealth. It is not in me. And the sea says it is not with me. So searching for it on the earth and in the earth won't acquire wisdom for you. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. You might be able to be the wealthiest person around. And you might even be able to pay for people to give you counsel. But you can't buy wisdom. Isn't that interesting? We all think if we just have enough money, we can buy experts. And they can tell us things. And the scripture says, Experts cannot give you wisdom. They can give you facts. They cannot be valued in gold of Ophir, in the precious onyx or sapphire. Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearl. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it. Let me ask you a question. Can it be valued in pure gold? Where then does wisdom come from? Now notice, he says again and again, in case you don't hear it, that there's nothing of value that can equal wisdom. And yet I suspect if you were to ask a thousand people today, what is it that you most desire to have? They might say happiness, they might say wealth, they might say fame, they might say power. But I almost would think that no one of those thousand people would say, I want to obtain wisdom. And if no one is looking for it, are going to find it. And they're saying, even if you look for it to buy it or to get equal to it, you cannot obtain it. Where then does wisdom come from? It doesn't come.